You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's Industry Best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. We had a great Friday episode for you guys today. I'm going to be talking with Justin Henry from Florida. And this episode is all about really managing expectations for an out-of-state hunt. And we even break it down a little bit more into a semi-guided scenario, type scenario, where there's a guy offering up a piece of land for a price, and the hunter, in this case Justin, is going to be running the show by himself, right? He has uh, some guys offering the property. Justin is able to go onto that property, and it sounds like do whatever he wants. So we talk about... Uh, expectations. We talk about the reality of the scenario. He he currently lives in Florida and he's going to go on this hunt in Illinois. And, uh, you know, the, the podcast itself will cover all the details. I want to keep this intro short uh, and get you right into the episode. Not only that, but I am renting a dumpster today. And I am going to throw a whole bunch of shit away and it's going to feel so good. I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to just like, if I even have to question it, I'm going to throw it away. I'm not going to communicate with my wife at all. This is one of those scenarios where it's going to be better to uh, ask for forgiveness after I've committed the sin of throwing stuff away that she might not want thrown away. But if I involve her it will probably take three to four times as long. So I'm just going to throw everything away, ask for forgiveness. And if I throw something away that uh, we need, I guess I'll just 
buy it, buy it again. But I don't think there's too much stuff that we really need that I'm going to be throwing away, man. I think it's just over the years, my family has collected so much stuff. And I just call it stuff because it has no sentimental value. It has, it's just laying there. We don't touch it. Boxes of just shit. And so I'm going to get rid of it. And uh, that's what I'm going to be doing after I get done editing and launching this episode. So uh, think of me like throwing a whole bunch of stuff away as you guys are listening to this podcast. But it's a good it's a good podcast managing expectations on out of state hunt, especially if you're using an outfitter or a guide or in this scenario, kind of a semi guided hunt. Uh, It's a pretty good episode. And before we get into the episode, though, like always, I just want to send a huge shout out to all of the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. We have Tethered, we have Wasp, Excalibur, Hunt Stand, Vortex, and Exodus. Please go out and support the brands that support this podcast. They're all great brands. They all have a use in my, I guess you want to call it my tool lineup on how I approach hunting. Tethered Saddle is something I'm not necessarily 100% comfortable with, but I'm going to be using it this year, and I'm going to be messing around with it this summer, shooting out of it. Wasp Broadhead, some of the best on the market, hands down. Uh, Love the company. Excalibur Crossbows, 30 years of success, really. You don't stick around for 30 uh, 30 years if your product sucks, so uh, Excalibur uh, wins on that front hunt stand one of the best mobile apps out there if not the best mobile app out there uh, and the functionality of this app is second to none and you mix that with what it costs per year it's ridiculous it's a no-brainer why you shouldn't be using hunt stand vortex optics great product great people and that just translates into a best the best customer experience you can have and then lastly exodus outdoor gear these guys got arrows now but a, a trail camera company that's uh, doing good good things. So please go out and support those brands. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Three, two, one. All right, all the way from Florida, Mr. Justin Henry. How are we doing, man? We're doing good, man. Thanks. So Florida, whereabouts in Florida are you located? Central, right? Uh, we'll call it 30 minutes southeast of daytona beach okay all right and uh is it uh always hot and humid down in florida you know i would say 95 percent of the time but for whatever reason the past two years we've had a pretty decent winter you know our winters don't really kick off until about january but no this past two years we've had uh Decent, and when I say decent, I mean highs in the high 70s, low 80s, uh, mornings in the 50s. I mean, heck, three weeks ago, we had mornings and it was like 57, which is incredibly, doesn't doesn't happen. Right, right. So are you a, are you a Florida native? I mean, do you live, have you lived there your whole life? 38 years, yes, sir. Okay. Have you ever seen snow in Florida? Uh, when I was five, it snowed. Uh, it, you know, you could see the flurries melt when it hits the ground. And then I believe a couple years ago in North Florida, it snowed, but only, like I said, only that one time when I was about five. Yeah. So do people lose their shit when that happens? Do they think it's the end of the world? 
they lose their shit when it starts to rain. Uh, <laughs> hazards go on. It's every old person possible just slamming brakes, throwing hazards on. They just they forget they forget how to drive. That's nuts. You know, there's the people who have lived their entire life in Florida. Um, I can imagine it can be very frustrating. And what I mean by that is. It, the the Florida is they they call Florida the state where people go to die right everybody goes down there to retire yeah. and and basically die but um, the fact that Florida from my understanding is growing like at one thousand plus people a day so it's just like more and more and more people just start flooding in and taking up space basically. Yeah, I need to figure out the code to the gate so I can lock these people out. It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> um, so let's see, Florida. Um, I didn't know this. Lots of cattle in Florida. I think it's like the it's in the top ten of cattle production in the United States. I would say it's probably in the top three. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, people think of Florida, they think of our beaches and this beautiful, sunny margaritas on the beach, whatever the case may be, but that's that's not Florida, like, at all. I mean, there are our, our coast, so we'll call it 20 miles inland, not even, we'll call it 10 to 15 miles inland off of each coast is what you see on TV that they advertise. Everything else is swamps and pine trees and old, rugged Florida. Um yeah. If as long as they're not destroying it and building houses on it, which seems to be happening, any vacant piece of land possible, they're tearing it down. So yeah, yeah. Well, what do you do for a living? I'm the one that tears it down. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the guy who bitches about it, but just goes and does it anyway, right? That is correct. (laughs) Well, hey, everybody's got to make money, right? That is true, and it pays good, so yep. I guess. And the good, the good part is, is every now and again, like, we'll get, like, where I'm sitting on the job site right now, we're on uh, fixing to clear about uh, 80 to 100 acres, and I have the opportunity, if it was during hunting season, I could come out here and I could bow hunt it um, and get to it before we destroy it, which can be good. It, it doesn't seem to ever time out properly. I've been able to turkey hunt a couple of properties, Um but other than that, it's never seemed to time out properly. So yeah. So when it when you're hunting in Florida, uh, let's just keep it in the the realm of deer right now. What's the deer hunting like where you live? It is extremely hard, and I know, I know. On the last podcast we did before we talked about it, um, you know, it, everybody says my state's the hardest, but. I would have to, I won't say my state is the hardest, but I will say that if you can consistently kill deer in Florida, you could probably go anywhere and given a a decent amount of time, you should be able to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. So just real quick, talk to me about uh, as far, as far as Florida and the, the area that you're hunting, what are deer doing that make them so hard to kill? Everywhere is bedding. There's not a single place that they could not bed, whether it's in the palmettos. Um, we, it just seems like everything's a thicket. 
Yeah. So there's no said, you know, oh, we're looking for this particular habitat for them to bed in. Well, you're hunting 10,000 acres of that exact habitat. It's just monotonous. So the terrain is not quite there. Um, when you get to these, these swamps and, you know, everything in Florida wants to eat you, kill you, sting you, hurt you, whatever the case may be. I mean, we have to worry about everything from panthers to pythons to uh, snakes, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's just, you know, and then you throw the heat on top of it. Yeah. It could be, <laughs> it could be challenging. Yeah, I feel you. All right. So, so you hunt Florida. Um, but the reason you're on the conver- you're on the podcast today is because you reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I'm going on a hunt in Illinois. It's semi-guided. And if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. And I think this is a, this is a good conversation because I think right now there's a lot of people having these conversations about, you know, Hey, do I get an outfitter? Do I try to do public? Do I like, what are, what are my options when it comes to leaving my current state and going to a different state to hunt? And, you know, obviously there are a ton of options in every state. There's outfitters in every state. There's guides in every state. There's people who are willing to help for free. There's people who are willing to help, uh, you know, for trade. There's people who are willing to help for, uh, you know, like a guiding service or whatever. So my, my question, my first question to you about this whole thing is what made you decide that you wanted to get out of Florida and go hunt a different state? Uh, me and my father-in-law, Jason, we've been going to Kentucky every year for, he's been going for about eight years. I got the invite, uh, five years ago. So this would be our sixth season that we would be going up there. Um, we started putting in for Iowa points a couple years ago. I think, or I, so this year I got my second point. So we still got, you know, two to three years. And we wanted to start expanding. And I listened to uh, the guys from Working Class Bowhunter. And Austin had mentioned last year, actually, I think the year before, that he started running a semi guided. Um, hunt, you know, he puts you up lodging the whole nine yards. He's got private property, and I talked to him last year, and just financially, I wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, so, the end of this past year, I called my father-in-law. I said, "Hey, I said, do you want to do this?" And he said, "Absolutely." I said, "Okay." I said, "Because we need to book the dates now before everybody else." gets in there early i just want you know the old saying early bird gets the worm so it's like i got to get in there and get it in there now yeah so i spoke to austin we had our conversation and we agreed upon uh some dates and sent the deposit and we're locked in all right so the question is though why why did you decide to go to illinois well Frankly, the deer are just way bigger. Uh, yeah. Deer do what deer are supposed to do in Illinois. I know it resembles Kentucky. I won't say resembles Kentucky, but it's got the, the semi-same quality of deer, the body size, the antler size. I mean, I know we all say it's, you know, it's about this or that, but I think I'd say 75% of us, we're out there chasing antlers for the most part. I mean, yeah. I won't say we're chasing antlers. 
we are that is in the in the back part of our mind absolutely when we choose to pull the bow back or put the bow back up on the hanger yep um and i have progressively shot bigger and bigger deer uh from florida to kentucky and i'm just ready for that next challenge my father-in-law is ready for that next challenge and we don't ever hunt private property everything we hunt has always been public land whether it's in florida or kentucky uh so trying something different maybe to kind of up our odds a little bit if you will you know yep yep all right so let me ask you this um what are the details all right you mentioned lodging is going to be taken care of for and you mentioned this is semi-guided so what what's the difference between guided and semi-guided uh that's a good question i have talked to him a little bit on details that's austin bean um and from what i can gather so far basically he's going to provide the lodging he provides the property Throughout the summertime, he will provide all the trail cam photos. And I am sure leading up a week or so before, or if not when we get there, we'll sit down. He'll kind of give us what intel he's been recording, you know, since he's put cameras out. I believe that he is going to kind of give us his two cents on how he would approach it. And after that, it's up. There's no curtain hang, hung stands, pre-hung stands. It's gotcha. on us to hang hang a set where we want to. I mean, obviously, there's not no willy-nilly just run amok all over the property like, you know, um, I guess a dumbass would. I, I don't know what other word to call right. it. Um, but you know, he he provides the intel, and it's on to us to make that choice and give us that end to. Uh, give us our put ourselves in the opportunity to harvest a mature buck gotcha so basically a little intel and the property and uh you know hey you got and and the lodging right correct okay food and lodging yes, food sir. and lodging all right so things you don't those things you don't need to worry about so really the only thing you need to worry about is the strategy of the hunt this isn't like a full-blown outfitter where they're like okay you need to go to this stand or you need to go to this stand it's a wide it's a blank canvas as far as the uh as far as the i guess property is concerned and you are the artist and however you want to dictate the strategy you can do it right Yes, sir. All right, cool. So, um, have you did you have access to the maps to do any type of e scouting yet of where this property is located and and what it looks like via e scouting? He sent me um, the his property address. I haven't um, gotten the property addresses yet to do any e scouting. I was kind of holding off until probably around August let him get some trail camera photos in and kind of see what's on. He sent me dozens and dozens of earlier pictures from last year of deer he had on camera and just to get a rough idea of kind of, you know, what we're looking at, the type of deer that are on the properties that he has. But no, I haven't e-scouted the exact properties. I have done a little bit of e-scouting in that general area. It's from what I know, it is right on the Mississippi river. Literally, I believe if you cross the Mississippi River, I'm in Iowa. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, I know it's in that region. Right. Okay. Uh, so 
Let's talk a little bit about expectations, right? Now, I think a lot of people, when they, when they decide to go on an out-of-state hunt, right? Especially, I don't want to, like, I'll just, I'll, when I what I'm about to say, I don't want anybody to take offense to. But if we're going to talk about quality of deer, right, and and that meaning bigger antlers, bigger, bigger body, Florida's probably not at the top. So you, so everybody, which is why you're going to Illinois. You want to, you want to chase a bigger antler, bigger body deer. So given the fact that you're going to a, a, a location that could potentially, you know, a, a random giant could walk through, or it could have a, a bigger deer than you've ever seen before, uh, come walk through within shooting range. What are your expectations going into this this hunt? My expectations is I've thought about it hard, and, you know, I know the quality. I know there's not a 150 around every tree like everybody kind of perceives that there might be in Illinois or Iowa, uh, but we know that they're there. Um, I my goal is to see some good mature deer on the hoof, whether it's from a, um, a stand 200 yards away and kind of, you know, start, start back and kind of work myself inwards. Um, I think that now, do you want to like, like what are your, when uh, I mean expectations, I mean like, what do you envision happening on on this hunt? Do you envision uh, the calorie like you're gonna you're gonna see a 170 or a 160 or or a 140 or or like yes, absolutely, absolutely, it, yeah, it, yeah. I I believe that my expectations are that I will see some 150s, 160s, and up, um, and my expectations are to put an arrow in one at you know sub 30 yards. Uh, somewhere around day four, day five, and kind of be able to kick back and relax and, you know, enjoy a vacation per se. Yeah. Is what my expectation would be. Okay. But, okay, so that that's an expectation, right? Like, so you're, Correct. you are honestly expecting to have a crack at a 150 on this trip. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh and, and what is what is leading you to that expectation? Is it something that the uh, that the guy in charge has has said, "Hey, you're going to have no problem." Is it be, just because you're going to the Illinois? What is leading you to to that expectation? I would say it's um things. One, it's Illinois, the area of Illinois. Two is the trail cam photos that I have seen. Um, and three, I he told me what was shot out there last season and the amount of people that he uh, that ran through the property. So I guess the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, um, the percentage of deer that were shot versus the people that were in there, you know, people that harvested versus the people that did not harvest the numbers were good. So, um, you know, in the back of your head, you sit there and you think, all right, well, those are good. Those are good odds. Um, so, you know, if I do my part, I should be able to put myself in a position 
to succeed. Gotcha. Okay, man, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good like man. That's a high expectation. Uh, in my 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 opinion, I think that's a pretty high expectation. No, it it, 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 it absolutely is a high expectation. Yeah. Um, and I I do I won't say I hold myself to high standards because Lord knows I definitely don't because uh, I guess we'll talk about reality later here in a little bit. But you know, um, like I said earlier, you know, I just kind of I've worked myself up. No, I have not shot a hundred and thirty inch buck. Yeah. So that is quite the jump to go from a 110-inch deer that I shot last year to a 150. That's a, that's a gigantic jump. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you just feel like the opportunity's there for a 10-day hunt that I should be able to get myself in a position. Gotcha. Okay. Um, now, like, when I when I have an expectation, right, I, I, I guess... I look at it as three ways. Expectations versus an expectation is in a way kind of a reflection of reality, right? Like the, the more realistic you are about a scenario, the, the expectations may, may shift, right? So my expectation going out to South Dakota has changed over the years that, that I've gone because I have more knowledge and Intel about specific areas. And, and, uh, yeah, I've seen some great bucks out there, but the, the, the reality is, is that most of them are on public ground and that or private ground and that me gaining access to that is slim to none. And, uh, and so I have to curb my expectations now to something completely di- something different than that what was. So, do you realistically think then if we're going to be talking about this term reality versus expectations, do you do you really think you're going to get a crack at a 150 in that 10-day period? I would have to say no. Okay. I I believe that the opportunity to see them will be there. Gotcha. I think I think reality is is that the first buck that comes through and gives me an opportunity that truly gets me excited that I'm willing to wrap my tag around is what I'm going to attempt to run an arrow through. Okay. All right. With that said then, so like what are you have you, have you thought at all yet about because you're, you're going to be in Illinois, right? It's a great state to hunt in. Yep. Um, you, you've talked about this expectation of potentially seeing in the, in the, the reality of seeing a deer in the 150s. What are you going to be willing to pass in order to get to that? Like if, if a 130-inch deer comes walking down the, the, the lane on day one or two, are you throwing an arrow at it or are you waiting? I'm absolutely throwing an arrow at it. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, so the, the number 150 doesn't necessarily mean much anymore at this point. Obviously, if, uh, if a 150 comes through, you're, you're going to take a shot at it. But if it, but if it's something 20 inches smaller comes through, you're also going to throw an arrow at it. Correct. And you know, and that's one thing that I've had, um, to go through in the back of my head, um, I mean, we all know that there's giants in Illinois and in Iowa. Um, 
and there are some good deer here in Florida. Yeah. There really are. I mean, uh, a buddy of mine, my superintendent, just shot a 123-inch uh, buck out uh, with a muzzle loader on public ground last year. Um, I, I shoot archery with a guy that holds the state record, uh, James Stovall. Uh, he shot a 220, 220 or 230-inch back in 1999, I believe it is. So, um, you know, that's in a, a said particular um, spot, um, and I don't know that those are few, far, and in between in the state of Florida. Right, absolutely. Um, but we do we do have quality deer for our area. Being if you can break that, so in Florida registry to go into the registry books for the state of Florida, you have to break a hundred inches. Yeah. Um. So that's that's kind of the said uh, guideline for the registry here. Like that's that's the goalpost right there, and for the state of Florida, everybody wants to shoot that registry bug. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, so, so you have this. You know, you got kind of these expectations of at least seeing something big. Um, if you let's say you go in there on day one, day two, day three in this ten day hunt, and you're checking trail cameras or he shows you pics is like two days old of a of a big deer cruising an area um knowing that a a deer is running around and maybe even making some moves on that deer being mobile trying to get on the ridge that this buck is at or trying to intercept a doe group that you know a group of a buck or a certain buck is you know following if you start to see them and start to be making moves on some of these bigger deer, are you are you still throwing an arrow at that 130 if there's consistent uh, intel coming from a bigger deer? Uh, you know, that's um I don't think I've even thought about that particular part yet. Uh, you know, that's um I don't know if I could even answer that to be truthful because I yeah. think um, in, in the moment would have to dictate that. Um, but I do – so I've, I've kind of always – at least I won't say always. Lately, dealing with what my father-in-law has, has, has done, and I've never been in this quiet position where I have passed anything. You know, I have about 10 deer under my belt, 10, 11 deer under my belt. And with a bow so or in I'm general, not, I won't say yes, sir. Yeah. With a bow. Gotcha. Um, I don't think I'm quite there to in Florida. I'm not there to pass deer. Yeah. In Kentucky, I still am borderline now my lately. So I broke that hundred inch mark. So I won't shoot anything under my 110 inch that I shot last year. Gotcha. So it has to be greater than 110 inches. But I also don't want, I guess, in the back of my head, you know, you spend this good money, you bust your ass at work, you work all this overtime, you're away from the family, you know how it goes. Yep. And you start to question these things. My father-in-law passed about a 130-inch buck last year because we had about a 150 on camera, and he was on him. Well, I I slung an arrow at that 130, and I brisket shot him. This was two years ago, and I brisket shot him and never found him. Um, so he kicked himself in the ass for, for passing it because he ate tag soup. Yeah. 
so you, you know, then he's like, man, I should have. And I said, you know, that old saying, you don't don't pass on the first day, which you'd be more than happy to shoot on the last day, especially yeah. when you don't. You only have a set amount of time to to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Right. All right. So here's another curveball for you to think about. Right. You know, you, you mentioned, hey man, I'm spending this money. I'd love to walk away with an animal. A hundred, you know, hundred incher comes down the the trail on one of these days here in Illinois, even the last day or the second to last day, and it provides you an opportunity to tag out and go home. Uh, are there any limitations for how small of a deer you can shoot off that property? Uh, I don't know. I. That's a I have I thought about that actually a couple of days ago talking to my father-in-law. Um, I haven't discussed that with Austin yet, but I would imagine there's got to be. I mean, he's done a very good job at managing these properties, so I would hate to be the one to put an arrow in an up-and-comer. He ha- he hasn't given me a no-shoot like list yet per se. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine in the back of his, and I'm sure we'll talk, and I'm sure he there will probably be maybe a deer or two on a certain property that he would say that he would prefer. You know, he'll probably give, I would imagine this kind of person, I've talked to him, you know, you can shoot it. I prefer you not to, but it's your hunt. If you want to shoot him, shoot him. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of where, where I sit with it. And I think on the last day, it would be hard not to shoot that hundred incher because it ain't like I have multiple on the wall. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the opportunity would be great. The adventure, the memories, you know, all that's got to go into play too. But at the same time, my wife also doesn't want to hear me sob on her shoulder that I come back. Right. I, I didn't shoot anything when I had an opportunity to, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, she, she's in it. She, she's in it. She's in it just as much as I'm in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like when you're away to uh, South Dakota, you know, she's in a sense involved in it just as much as you are yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made uh, in South Dakota was I saw all these. Okay, so until I got access to hunt this piece of uh, private that I eventually got kicked off of, um, they. The, the farmer goes, okay, yeah, go in and hunt whatever you want, kill, you know, kill whatever you want. No, no big deal, right? He was pissed because they were eating uh, his flowers and eating the landscaping and just like, th- there was tons of them all over and they were rubbing on trees that he had planted and things like that. So he's like, yeah, go get them. Right. And so the first day in there, uh, so what made me stop at his house is cause he had a, one morning I was going on a drive and I saw a field full of deer and two or three of them were shooter. What I like, I mean, all of them really, but two or three of them were shooter caliber mule deer. And so I ended up getting up there and, and glassing this field that next night. And I saw another little, um, another little mule deer he was bedded facing away from me. I mean, I was, I stalked up to about 30 yards on him and there was no, like he, he was clueless that I was there. Right. And so I, uh-huh. I passed him because I got greedy and I said to myself, I'm going to have an opportunity to hunt, uh, these bigger deer. 
that I should have shot that deer that night. And and now, you know, with all this, with all the other stuff that went on, I didn't get an opportunity at the, at those deer. So with all that said, then right. <laughs> with all that said, it was difficult for me. Uh, it was a mistake because I, you know, like you said, never pass on the first day, what you would shoot on the last day. And the last day, if that buck would have came by, I definitely would have shot it, but I got greedy and said to myself, I want one of these bigger bucks that are running around. So yeah. Whatever, yeah. uh, and then I lost. I ended up losing access to that property, so uh, that's that sucks. But whatever, um, it is uh, it is what it is, and uh, I don't know. So I, I I just I'd hate to. I I don't know. I, I guess I really don't know what I'm trying to say here, except for man, just <laughs> just like use your best judgment and shoot whatever makes you happy. And I think that as a I think what really sucks is if you have different expectations than what a guide or an outfitter has, then you should probably not use them. Because if a guide came up to me, you know, and I, I had a, I bought, I bought the, the hunt and then they said, well, here's a list of deer you can't shoot or you're going to get fined. Well, was there, was there that expectation leading into the sale of the hunt? Because man, if someone told me, Hey, you can't shoot, you can't shoot a certain class after I already paid for the hunt, man, I, I would be, I'd be frustrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yep. But I also, I also understand how those guys make their money. Right. And they sell the hopes of running into a, a very good caliber deer, especially for you, man, you're going from all the way from Florida to Illinois. And there is an opportunity there for you to, to put an arrow in a one fifty if all things play out. And I think the private, you're absolutely right. And I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things in the back of my head is I've hunted public land for the past nine years. Um, I have never hunted private land. So you, I guess you start to factor in certain things. Well, it's less pressured. And the good. And so the dates that we're going is October 22nd to October 31st. Somebody had already gotten the first 10 days of November I, and when I, when I called and asked them, I really wanted October 26th through its 10 days, so whatever it works out to, November 4th, whatever the case may be. But that's just not how he had it. He had October 22nd through October 31st. And I sat back for a second and was like, man, do I really want to do this in October? Then I was like, you know what? I said, that's probably some of the best hunting. We're going to be the first people on the property. We get to really experience that pre-rut, that chasing, and, you know, in hopes that they, that an early doe comes in uh, into heat. And I guess that's kind of playing in the back of my head because every other out-of-state trip you take to Kentucky is usually November 3rd-ish, yeah. maybe up to the 7th, onward for 10 to 12 days. Yeah. Um, so that public, that, that private ground was very intriguing. I feel like, uh, you know, better quality deer, less pressure, um, especially because I know the way that I've been told that he manages it. So I know it's not just, you know, let anybody in there willy-nilly. That's not how it's going. Um, yeah. And it's not a gigantic, um, you know, 10,000 acres uh, in South Dakota, whatever the case may be, even a thousand acres or whatever. It's, it's not that I think it's multiple couple hundred acre properties, uh, to choose from. It yeah. might be one big chunk. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be the only people 
you and your father-in-law are the only people on said properties for 10 days. Correct. Oh, nice. Well, um, and is there going to be anybody on there before you? As far as I know, no. Okay. All right. Well, man, there's an opportunity there uh, to get in there and, uh, you know, get some intel, kind of watch what the doe groups are doing, and then maybe find a doe group to get on and and uh, hunt what pulls them through in that late season, you know, down there. I'm sure there's going to be deer scent checking them, uh, working scrapes, working rubs, or maybe a rub line or something like that, finding a good terrain feature that funnels them down and getting an opportunity at uh, something that you've never had an opportunity at before. Exactly. You know, I, you know, I think everybody prays for that, you know, good cold front somewhere around the 25th of October ish, you know, to really get them fired up. And that, that's kind of what I'm trying to hang my hat on that, you know, hopefully we'll get a good cold front come in, uh, get them deer feeling good, loving it. And, you know, maybe a couple of does come into estrus early and uh, kind of just see how it goes. Uh, yeah. You know, and you said earlier, the reality, um, reality is, is the first deer, I don't want to say the first, but I think that that's just truthfully the, the first deer that gets me truly excited that I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to be the one. Yeah. Yep. What happens if that deer is the one you just, you drill him heart shot. He jumps over and dies within sight you're celebrating and then all of a sudden right behind him comes that one 175 typical 10 that's just an absolute giant and he and you can't do anything about it <laughs> <laughs> that's the old heartbreak right exactly that's when, I get to pull the, that's when i get to pull the phone out and be in and, yeah and do some filming i guess right right i don't know if that's i'm trying to think if that's ever happened to me where I shot a deer and after I shot it, another deer, another bigger deer came through. I don't, I'm on knock on wood that, that hasn't happened to me. Right. So I've never been, I've never had any kind of crazy temptation like that. But, uh, uh, I, I know guys who have like, dude, I, I shot this 140 or whatever. And then my tar the number one target buck was right behind him and I didn't even know it. And, and he walked right by my stand after he drilled another deer. So, oh, well, it is what it is. Um, are you going to have any yeah, flexibility okay. in your schedule to, let's say you strike out, either come back to Illinois or maybe bounce around on some public after that, before or after that 10 days is up? Our plan is, we haven't discussed it with the wives. We might uh, hold off on discussing it till we're up there. We don't know. My father-in-law's dead set on going to Kentucky on our way back. On our oh, way okay. Back home. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I said, I'm okay with it. I can get the time off of work. I said, it's more or less the wife being at home with three kids is yeah. not going to be fun. Uh, but I, I would have to say, and, and she's all about it. Um, you know, she knows it brings me joy and happiness and all the other good stuff, just like your wife and everybody else for the most part. Um, so I think we are going to try to hit, even if it's just for three, four days, go see the people we stay with in Kentucky. Um, and the public ground is 10 minutes. We got three tracks that are equal, probably over 8,000 acres, 10 minutes down the road from where we stay in Kentucky. Um, 
So, I mean, it's nothing but just buying another tag. So, yeah. Which, speaking of tags, I did not quite realize how expensive Illinois' tags are. How much is it for an unresident? 370 almost $380. Yeah, and, and so does that, that get you one tag? Uh, yes. And then you have, because I think... I, be, it, I believe we... Illinois, you can get yeah, two, right? Yeah, I think Illinois is a two, but I, I, I guess from, I haven't done my research, shame on me. I believe that it's on a separate, like, um, tag. Um, yeah, so you got to buy two of those. like you get a gun tag. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's not like uh, some of the southern, or southern states, I think, where you get, like, a booklet and... They, you know, once you buy something, they give you a booklet of tags and then you only have five. And then in that, in that booklet is five tags or something like that. You got to go back and get it or I'm not a hundred or you can get them both, but they're different. But yeah, dude, that's uh that's a, that's a expensive tag. I think that's right around what I pay for South Dakota. It's definitely what non-residents at Iowa pay, if not a little more. And so, man, that, that it's getting it's getting real out there for guys when it comes to traveling and going to some of these big deer states because, you know, they have big deer for a reason and the 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 properties are managed. The state has a pretty good grasp on, especially Iowa. Uh, you know, Iowa has a pretty good grasp on the the management there, and it's it allows deer to get big and uh, people want to come enjoy that and there's opportunity for them to enjoy that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, you know, get the way gas prices are these days. I mean, my work truck is an F three fifty, and it cost oh, yeah. me two hundred and thirty five dollars to fill up yesterday. And I mean, it's obviously not on my dime, but yeah, you know, it's just I, we both have. I traded in. I had bought a two thousand twenty Chevy Silverado. And, you know, oh, this is great, but I got a company vehicle. So that truck literally sat there. Well, after writing that check every single month for a truck that basically sits there, I said, this is ridiculous. So I went and traded in and got a 2019 Chevy Colorado. It's got a little six-inch lift with some 33s on it. And payments are knocked off about 200 bucks a month in payments. So, yeah. you know, that I'm saving on gas, trying to cut corners as much as possible. That's for sure. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm, uh, doing right now is I've, well, I just bought a new car for my wife yesterday, or we bought a new, however you want to look at it. Uh, we bought a t- 2000, yeah, sure. 2021 Honda pilot. It's the family car. It's really nice. Blah, blah, blah. I, I have a hard time trying to, for me, justify buying a new truck because I beat the shit out of my tr- current truck. It's paid off. It's yeah. a 2005. I can drive it anywhere I want. I don't give a shit if uh, it gets scratches or dents on it. Don't care. It's already been hit by two deer. I've already hit two deer with it, and I'm... I'm, I'm, as long as the tailgate opens and I can put deer in the back of it, that's all I care about. You know, it's funny you say that because, uh, so I have a 19 foot bay boat and, you know, never had a problem pulling it with my Chevy. And before that I had an F, uh, 150. So I buy the Chevy Colorado and about a week later I had an opportunity to go take the boat out. So I go hook the boat up and I had to go by Walmart for something. 
as I'm walking out of Walmart, I'm looking at this picture of my truck pulling this 19-foot boat, and I said, boy, I did not think about that very thoroughly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it looks like a micro-machine pulling a boat. Yeah. I mean, it pulls it, but I didn't, and I was like, you know what, it's, it's only got a, gosh, I think it's a four-foot bed, yeah. five-foot bed, maybe something. I was like, well, it'll hold a deer. That's all that matters. There you go. Well, hey, man, I tell you what, good luck on this, uh, on your season, both in Florida, potentially Kentucky, and definitely Illinois. Hopefully those expectations and the, that reality meet somewhere and you're able to walk away with uh, with a really good story and uh, a good deer in the back of your truck, man. Yes, absolutely. I greatly appreciate it. And there you have it, everybody. Huge shout out to Justin, not only for taking time out of his day to hop on the podcast and chat with us, but good luck. I'm sending good vibes your way, man. Hopefully this Illinois hunt pans out for you. Can't wait to get back on the episode and uh, can't wait to have you back on the podcast to talk about your success. Uh, Hopefully you uh, connect with something of your wildest dreams. Other than that, huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Excalibur, Hunt Stand, Vortex, and Exodus. Man, really appreciate those brands supporting this this podcast. And some of these guys have been here since day one. So shout out to those. Other than that, man, I, I appreciate every single episode that you guys listen to, not only on the Nine Finger Chronicles, but the hunting gear podcast as well if you haven't heard the hunting hunting gear podcast please make sure that you listen to that there's a ton of great gear related information that comes out of that and uh, lastly make sure that you guys are subscribed to the sportsman's empire network feed as well i mean there's so much good content and i'd put this content up against anybody any any other network that's out there that uh, shares hunting related information man uh, we're, we're doing some awesome things and I'm pretty proud of all the content providers here on the network other than that good vibes in good vibes out and we'll talk to you next time